0: Welcome to the Cloudonaut Podcast.
1: We are your hosts, Andreas and Michael Wittig. We have been building on AWS since 2009 and follow along uh, as we build two products for the AWS Marketplace, Bucketv and Marbot. This is episode number 77 and we are recording this on May 12th in 2023. In case you're watching this live on YouTube or LinkedIn, uh, feel free to ask your questions in the chat and we will uh, make sure to answer them during the show. So Andreas, um, I will start uh, this uh, episode with a little announcement. And this is um, for everyone who uh, is on the uh, video stream. Um, Our new book, Amazon Web Services in Action, the third edition, is actually available. So you can buy it on um, manning.com. That's the publisher. You can also buy it on Amazon if you wish. Uh, If you want to buy it on manning.com. I will paste a coupon code into the chat. So the coupon code is, um, it's vidic 40 So, but I paste it into the chat so you can see there. Um, so let me do that quickly. Okay. Um, so with that coupon code on manning.com, you get 30% off. And, and you can either get uh, 40% on the ebook or also on the printed book, if you prefer um, like a real book, like the one that I have in my hands at the moment. Um so check that out so you might ask yourself okay what actually changed in the third edition and i can give you a very quick overview so we added uh, two new chapters one is about containers so that's a completely new chapter it covers um, um, app runner so this is the most straightforward way to run containers on aws these days it also covers ecs and fargate so this is this more sophisticated option where you can more or less control all the knobs um, and we also uh, rebuilt the whole chapter about deployment. So we switched from Elastic Beanstalk and OpsWorks, and now we are—I think we focus on code. No, uh, but yeah, we th- we focus on code deploy as well as on building an AMI with Packer and then shipping it with CloudFormation uh, with the rolling update in the auto group. So that's other completely new chapters. Besides that, of course, we reworked all the other chapters. We updated all the. The things, the facts, and the the changes are now in the book. Updated all the figures, updated all the examples, uh, so they are now up to date again. So if you're interested in that, um, please uh, go check it out. Um, It was um, a hard, like I think, one-year journey to get the third edition out. Uh, So we are very happy that it's done now and that uh, you can actually now read it. And we are looking forward to your feedback, so feel free to um, send us your feedback about the book. Maybe one thing, so... There's really a lot
0: that changes over the years <laughs> with AWS. So when reworking the chapter, you notice that really many, many things have changed. To give you one example, so we had in the book um, about the um, Simple Storage Service S3, we had the discussion in the book that you have to make sure um, to be aware of that when updating an object, um, this update gets um, is is eventually consistent. So this was the case um, for many, many years, and you had to be aware of that. And nowadays, this is gone. So now AWS uh, introduced that S3 is now uh, always read-after-write um, read consistent. So this, uh, this is just one example of many things where we had a whole section <laughs> in the chapter discussing this issue, and then now this is completely solved. So AWS is really shipping features and changes and um, p- positive changes to their infrastructure um, so this was uh, really an interesting thing to go over the chapters and redo them to see what how AWS is improving their platform over the years because when you just read through the news every day you don't actually get an overview of or a feeling for what has changed over a longer time span yeah um yeah very cool so i'm i'm really happy with the book being out so there's maybe one thing we could ask you our listeners so if you could spare some minutes and if you have have been reading the book um please write a review on amazon.com or uh, at manning um that really helps us to um get um get uh, the book out so if you have um that that would really help us okay so uh, michael i think that's that's it for, for AWS in action. Um, mm. so, we, so this is always so. It's, a, it's really a cool thing to have the, the printed book in hand to finish the, the, the process. But the process itself is really hard <laughs> to get through all of that. So now we're really happy. And for the next uh, one to two years, <laughs> we're happy that we do not have to touch uh, the book because it's now uh, printed. Okay um so the next uh, thing I want to talk about today Michael is um Amazon Inspector so have you ever used Amazon Inspector Michael can you remember that Yeah Yeah, so there is um, actually AWS announced uh, Amazon Inspector version 2 or the old one. I think the old one is called Classic now. (laughs) So the old one is still around, the old version of the service. Um, But I think they did a complete rewrite of the service, obviously, and started from scratch. So now we have Inspector version 2. And I noticed or I came uh, to that topic because um, one of our um, customers for Marbot, our AWS monitoring solution, asked us if we could support alerts or findings from Amazon Inspector. So um, first of all, um, I looked into the the whole thing. And what is Amazon Inspector doing? It's it's actually um, two or three main features that it comes with. So first of all, It ships an agent, if you configure it, it ships an agent uh, to all your EC2 instances and then collects information about the software running on your instance and is then collecting that information uh, in the backend and then generating findings out of that. So it will inform you about, I don't know, for example, uh, uh, vulnerability in the uh, TLS that you are using on the system, or I don't know, um, I don't know, the Java uh, that you're using is is out of date, and you need to update that because of a, a security issue, stuff like that. So this is what uh, Inspector is uh, is about for EC2. And it uses the system manager, and I would call that a uh, <laughs> actually, it feels a little bit like a Trojan horse. So <laughs> you, you use the system manager to, to install Inspector on the machine. So you roll that out very easily in case you have system manager running and the IAM role configured for your EC2 instances. Then it's really easy to, to get that out. And that's for EC2. The second thing um, I've been running into that um, um, because of a consulting gig I've been doing as well is um, it also scans ECR repositories. Um, So that's something I want to talk about later. So basically, it scans container images, again, for known vulnerabilities, security issues with the packages and stuff that are uh, installed on the container images. And it also supports lam- scanning Lambda functions. Uh, so same here. Uh, actually, I haven't looked into the Lambda function parts. So I cannot really talk about the details here, but that's basically the three things. So it covers the three major uh, things, containers, virtual machines, and functions. So I, I think that is basically compute and AWS, which is uh, kind of cool to have that all in one service. Um, and... So what I've been doing then is um, I've basically make sure that uh, Marbot is uh, capable to um, subscribe to the findings that Inspector creates. So whenever Inspector creates a finding, it also sends an event over EventBridge. And Marbot is now automatically configuring an event rule for that so that we forward basically all those findings to, to Marbot. And then as we always do, when we get such events from AWS, we make sure to um to parse them properly and to to display them in Slack or Microsoft Teams. Um so that is what we have now built into Marbot for Inspector version two. We had it for version one, but yeah, as this is now outdated, we had to um uh, to update it for inspector version two as well. And um then there's one other aspect of inspector that, that uh, I stumbled upon, and this is the ECR image scanning so when you look through the ECR documentation, you find two options to scan container images. one has been around for quite some time it is it is called basic image scanning with ECR so this is something you can configure on your ECR repository you can either do um, a scan or whenever you push a new image and you can also manual um, start a scan shop of a specific image. And uh, so this is the one option that you have. And then there is uh, the advanced image scanning. <laughs> this is, um, so it's not really documented what Inspector is doing on top of what the built in basic scanning is doing. Um, the only thing, uh, so they say it's advanced image scanning, whatever that means uh, in, in, in detail. So they're probably using another scan engine, but I'm not 100% sure uh, which one. Uh, that's not documented as far as I know. And um, the only difference is that you can configure um, Amazon Inspector to rescan all the images in your repository automatically or you can do scan the late the images that have been pushed within the last thirty or one hundred eighty days so that is what you can configure with uh, ECR image scanning um, as an alternative what I'm currently um, working on is um, with basic um, ECR image scanning you you can um, build a Lambda function that triggers scanning of the images periodically. So once a day is, um, is the, the rate limit per image. And so you can build a, a similar behavior with that. And what I like about being able to trigger the scan myself is I'm currently working on something that the when, when, when setting up an ECS service, I know exactly which image, I'm currently using, which one is rolled out through the service. And I can then configure my Lambda function accordingly to only trigger the scan for this specific image. Because what I've uh, seen in practice is if you just scan all the images in your repository and you want to keep the older images that you have been using, for example, to be able to roll back to a version one year in time or something, then you have the problem that it scans one-year-old images. And of course, you will find security vulnerabilities in there because this thing hasn't been updated for a year, right? So if you, if you want to keep your images, it doesn't really make sense, in my opinion, to scan just the whole archive because that's not really valuable information because that code is not running anywhere. Um, and I've, as far as I've seen, there is no way to build something to only scan the images that are currently in use with the uh, Amazon Inspector Um, So that's um, a difference. I'm currently working on an implementation. uh, I should definitely write a blog post um, about that. Yeah, so that is uh, Amazon Inspector, actually a a quite easy-to-use service. So I was um, quite impressed about how easy it is to roll that out to Amazon Linux and uh, ECR.
1: All right, Andreas. Do you know about the pricing of Inspector?
0: Yeah, so, so they... Yeah, there's a ch- of course, it, they are charging for it.
1: I think it's, it's host-based as far as I remember. Yeah. All right. So the next topic is, um, as you might uh, already know, if you are listening to this podcast uh, for a longer time, uh, we are usually um, using a lot of CloudFormation. And that changed a little bit uh, over the last years because we are kind of frustrated with the lack of coverage of CloudFormation, as many other people are as well. And so we looked more into Terraform, and we are now using it more and more. Um, And one thing that we stumble um, on is that, of course, in Terraform, there's also coverage uh, lags. Well, not everything is covered in Terraform as well. So in the past weeks, we were running into some situations where it would be cool if there would just something be there that wasn't there. So we uh, thought about, okay, why not add it to the Terraform provider, the AWS provider, because it's open source. So, you can open pull requests, and then if you are lucky and if you follow the guides, then you can add your functionality to the provider, and in the next release, it will be there. So, it sounds easy. And we kind of, or I looked into that, and then the problem is that the Terraform AWS provider is written in the Go language. I'm not familiar with that, and I'm also not very interested in learning it, to be honest. Um, So, the kind of Initial barrier is quite high if you're not familiar with the language. So I was thinking about, <clears throat> okay, I don't have to learn this language now <laughs> to just add a, l- a few attributes to the um, to my Terraform re- resources or I'm looking for someone who can do that for me. So we actually found someone and this is a shout out uh, to uh, Camel and I will post the link to his GitHub profile um, in a minute. And he actually did the implementation for us uh, because I was kind of, uh, to be honest, I was too lazy to kind of uh, learn the language. Uh, so he did everything for us. But what we did is we added two new data sources um, AWS SQS queues, like the, the plural. So this is the list of all the queues, as well as AWS RDS clusters. So this gives you a list of all the clusters. And we also added attributes, for example, to the AWS RDS cluster data source. And also we added a lot, uh, many attributes to the AWS auto-scaling group um, resource. So if you are, I think the one that is most often used is the AWS auto-scaling group data resource. So if you're using that, so you will find many new attributes now in, I think it was released in 4.66 was the version, I think. And uh, that included this change. And it, it really... I think it really impressed me how straightforward it was to add a feature like if you follow the guide if you add the documentation if you add the tests everything then they will just like someone from HashiCorp will merge the pull request and within I think it took less than a week the last change and um, your new feature is is available in the uh, AWS provider and that was really cool I mean. To be honest, in AWS, nothing takes one week. So if they if they promise to add something, then it months or years basically until they add it to CloudFormation. Um, so I was really um, impressed how this works, and and um, this really gives us opportunities uh, here to improve the provider and adding the stuff that's missing instead of just complaining that's not there. And what we do with CloudFormation most of the time. Um, so yeah, this was really great experience, um, I think, and it's actually one data point that, that guides us in the direction of Terraform uh, and more and more. Um, so I'm looking forward how this turns out, Andreas, in the end. So <laughs> um, it's actually you know, yeah, uh, it, it's 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 less and less likely these days that that we are starting with a new project in CloudFormation. Probably then. not, yes. <laughs> and probably also not
0: CDK because that depends on CloudFormation. Michael, I have one more thing. So I've seen a discussion going around on uh, on Twitter and LinkedIn. So um, Eric Pauly has written a blog post which is called Farewell to the Era of Cheap Easy-to-Spot Instances. And basically he makes the point that um, the prices for... Um, um, spot instances has, have been going up significantly uh, within the past few months. Um, so I think they are almost doubling. So uh, of course, it depends on the region and so on. But it uh, turns out that in some regions, the prices have um, been almost increasing by um, yeah 90% or something. So we have o- observed uh, similar things with um, Bucket AV. So Bucket AV, the uh, antivirus solution for Amazon S3, where we spin up easy 2 instances um, based on behind an SQS queue, and um, where we have always been using spot instances to keep the infrastructure costs low. And what we have observed there is that we are getting more and more spot interruptions as well. So running EC2 instances are getting interrupted and then you cannot start new spot instances anymore because um, there's no more spot capacity available for those instance types. And um, so what I found interesting is the discussion. (laughs) So Eric has um, written a summary and he observes that the prices have been going up. He has a really great blog post. I will put the links in the show notes and the uh, chat. And um, and then he 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 continued with his assumption is so why so he says he he assumes that AWS is not uh, manipulating the prices because he also sees increasing spot interruptions. So the he arguments that the capacity is obviously um, um, low and therefore he gets spot interruptions as well. So it's not only the prices are going up. Um, and actually, I don't. I don't think that this argument is is really valid. So, so let's think about the whole situation. So macroeconomics. Um, many many companies have to cut down their e- AWS costs. So what do you do if you if you have to do that? You try to turn down uh, EC two instances or maybe use a smaller instance type wherever possible. So that's the easiest thing to reduce your AWS bill, right? And. Um, so when you do that, what happens in the data center? Um, so the, the spare capacity goes up, in my opinion. So I would assume, I, of course, I have no insights at all into AWS infrastructure, but that's just my assumption about from what I observe from the outside, from the macroeconomics. In theory, the, the, um, the utilization of the data centers should go down. Uh, so they should have more spare capacity, not less, in my opinion. Um, so, but on the other side... ARS has the problem that their revenue is not growing as fast as it has been, right? And so um, what, they, what they have to do is some, they have to find ways to increase their revenue somehow. So they have to increase uh, prices. And of course, um, just um, kind of making changes to their spot market helps them to achieve that. So I'm not 100% sure if it's really true that they are not making modifications to the spot market. It's not really a market. It's not a regulated financial market or something like that. It's just something that AWS comes up with. They make the rules. We don't know them. So it's not really a market, right? So they tell us, but it's not. It's not. Yeah, they said everything, so we don't. Be, so yeah, <laughs> it's really yeah, it's crazy, and you cannot buy from someone else as well. So it's only one. So yeah, it's it's not a market. Uh, you cannot really say that. Um, yeah, and so. My assumption is actually that they uh, have adjusted a little bit how the spot, or not, not only a little bit, it seems <laughs> they have significantly changed how the spot market works and how many capacity they put in there. And of course, if they shrink the capacity that they make available through the spot market, also the chances that you're getting interrupted uh, are growing and it's actually a good thing for AWS as well, because many um, have been running workloads on spot that are not really made for spot because they do not really uh, tolerate too many interruptions. But they, in the past, you could run spot instances for years, right? Um, so, or at least month. And yeah, so my assumption is that they made changes uh, to the spot market internally. Of course, they're not telling us, but... Um, I wouldn't assume that um, this is a, a really fair game, actually.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, what I like about the blog post is because we, we talked about this in, in this uh, show as well a couple of times, Andreas, that we see higher spot interruption rates. And, and he also measured that in the blog post. And you can now, it's. I think we also talked about if, if someone should measure that. And he basically did that. So he measured it. So we have the data. And it definitely shows that the likelihood of an interruption is now higher than before. And that is what many many people observe as well. Like they don't have real data because it's. I mean, most people don't have time to measure this, <laughs> to be honest, because they just have to. <laughs> but then, they keep don't have the, to.
0: Many institutes running on spot.
1: Yeah, and Aetos doesn't publish this data. Uh, they only publish the price, uh, so they don't tell us mm. the likelihood of interruption. I think of they of have some. They part.
0: have some information about the likelihood of an
1: interruption as well in okay. some of their calculators,
0: yeah. but I don't know how accurate okay, that is. I don't know. Mm. Yeah.
1: But, but it definitely shows that this is, this is not just me uh, uh, having this impression. It actually it is real. So interruption rates are higher these days. And, and this is one of the reasons why we built this on-demand fallback uh, that I talked about in a previous episode. I can't remember the, the number, but um, because it really is a, a problem now. Like before, AWS always told us that an, an instance can be interrupted. And it, it, I mean, it happened, but it wasn't a big problem. Now it happens more or less every day that we see instances interrupted, and we don't run many of them. And it also happens that you cannot launch any instance because there's no capacity in the pool. And this was not something that we observed one or two years ago. So th- that definitely changed something. And uh, it is, I mean, there are obvious reasons why they're going to do it uh, because for for you know, money reasons. So that's very obvious. I mean, they will definitely not tell us that they do it for that <laughs> reasons. But um, it's also interesting that AWS has a couple of, of, there are, I mean, there was one or two weeks ago, there was this um, blog post from this Amazon is called the amazon video streaming team that basically uh, ha- had a blog post where they kind of said that they switched from uh, a more or less step function based lambda based thing to a more EC2 based thing for cost reasons and there was a lot of argument around that in the internet and then all the aws guys started with their argumentation and and very straightforward direction everyone following that direction from amazon there would definitely order order from from the the top (laughs) what they should do and now it's i'm very interested in what's going to happen now Um, what argument aws will will prepare for us to to understand the situation Um,
0: i would say we i would guess we wouldn't see any comment about this situation from aws i wouldn't expect that to be honest the problem is so they cannot really increase their prices right if they do a big price increase on their overall on-demand rates and stuff this would be really—I um, uh, don't know how to call it. So this would be a big thing, <laughs> and uh, would be, be a bad press for them. Uh, so they—they need to find some things where they can make ch- little changes that—that <laughs> that no one really knows. Adding
1: resources to AWS config is definitely yeah. wrong as well. So there was <laughs> like that in the past. There were so many resources added that like never before. <laughs> so they—they—they they, they are just finding to ways increase to increase their to revenue streams to increase the enterprise tax. Yeah, so that's very cool. Okay,
0: yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's see where this is going. Uh, that's it, Michael. Um, we will be back um, in, in two weeks. Subscribe to our newsletter, podcast, or the YouTube channel to make sure you're not, up, um, not missing the upcoming shows. Uh, we're also looking forward to your feedback. Uh, Hello at cloudonaut.io uh, or find us on LinkedIn, Mastodon, or Twitter. You will find all the links in the show notes or video description. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye.
1: Bye.